BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Shop all things Cherry Johnson at TheRealCherry.com. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Well, Baxter Blue Glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter out 90% of the highest energy of blue light, eliminating 99% of the glare. This past year, we've all been glued to our devices way more than ever. I know that I wake up and then get on my phone just to go to my laptop, just to get back on my phone. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Well, Baxter Blue is a force for good. They provide a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This eyewear is built for the digital age, and Baxter Blue has given our listeners 10% off their next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kid classes. Just click the link in our show's bio for the exclusive discount. This is a sign that you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses know that you'll love Baxter's and we know that you'll feel the difference. Welcome to Cherry's World. The only podcast coming through your beat stereo is Cherry's World so let's go around like a merry-go. Plug your phone in make sure it got a full battery. Download it Wednesday. Listen to it Saturday. She cover all topics whatever you after. She got ball players, authors, doctors, actors, rappers, singers, entrepreneurs, divas, leaders, androids or Apple. Turn up your speakers. Trying to shoot my shot like the vaccine. Whether it's Cherry or Maxine. Whether the podcast or acting. She that queen. PYT you know what that means. Saw you on TV and touch the screen, touch on you. I plead Lucy's got a crush on you. It'll mean the world to get a blush from you. Teaspoon to me, leave you sleep like Robert Tussin. Hey, 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 and welcome to Cherry's World Podcast. I am Cherry Thompson, and that is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Blackman. Today, I'm really excited about this show because we have one of the most talented men that I know on the show today. He has played for everybody from Justin Bieber to Jeremiah, to Usher, Teddy Riley, and so many more. He also has a great story that he's going to tell us about Rihanna. So without further ado, you need to stay tuned so that you can meet Mr. Zach Brunson. This is Cherry's World. Hi, this is my book. Cucumbers are delicious. My mom tried to hide me from the public, but it didn't last. Big 
cherryworld.com. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. Shop all things Cherry Johnson at TheRealCherry.com. So, Zach, you look like you're in, like, a music room. Is that your house, or are you at, like, a pre-production? Yeah. Um, this is a place that's a loft, and it's in San Diego. And, um, yes, we have a studio in here as well. Amazing. Courtney, I don't know if you know, but this brother over here, you play how many different instruments? I don't know. Ever since I was little, really, with instruments, it's been more so, like, if there's an instrument that I want to play, I just go for it type of thing. And it started when uh, when I was growing up in church. And now um, I kind of use that as a producer. So if there's a sound I'm looking for in a beat or a track or a project or a composition I'm working on, and I can't find somebody to play it, I will always just try it myself. And nine times out of 10, being a producer, we know how to manipulate things to make it sound a certain way. So I started to teach myself certain instruments by just picking them up, you know, and, and using the gift that was already in me in my ear. But we know it's at least like, what, 17 that you play well? It's about, it's about a solid 15. Wow. <laughs> I, I can't play nothing. <laughs> Everybody can sing though. No. 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 <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> um, I tried that. I can J-Lo. And what does that mean? Shake her butt. I can, I can hold a note for this long. That's all you need sometimes, though. That right there, that little bit right there might be all somebody need. You, you can melody me. I can melody. That's all I need. If I can get this right here, I can stretch it out, make it like this, make it go like this, that, that, that. <laughs> Zach, you've had an amazing career. Can you tell us kind of how it started? I want to go on a journey with you. Sure. Okay, let's go back. So I'm 28 years old now. Um, I started off in Hampton, Virginia, where I'm from. So a very small town in Virginia. And um, when I was 15, the 10th, the 10th grade is the first time that I, I got asked to be a part of an international tour. And it was a gospel tour and I was the pianist for it. So at 15, here I am, 10th grade, all of my friends, you know, regulars, everything's pretty much normal for me. And then all of a sudden I'm going to out of the country for the first time to play the piano. And um, that's from that moment on, I just knew that I wanted to touch people. I knew there was another world outside of, of my home city. I knew there was a whole nother world outside of me. And if I could be 15 years old and in school and my teacher's thinking I'm skipping school, but I'm really touring, that's what kind of set me up. So after I graduated from high school, I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> And um, there I just began gigging very heavy, all of the local restaurants, bars, anything, bar mitzvah, birthday party, like I'm your keyboard player, guitar player, bass player, whatever you need. And um, <clears throat> one of the first people that I really connected with in Atlanta was Stevie J. And most people know him from reality, hip, uh, reality TV, from Love and Hip Hop, but um, he's an excellent producer. He's, he's first of all, he's an incredible person. And he's also an amazing producer. And he took me up under his wing. I never signed to him. I never had any paperwork with him. He never asked me for anything, but he took me under his wing and I lived with him for about four or five years. And he just pretty much opened up his entire industry Rolodex to me and um, pushed me to be 
like he was, but better and saw things in myself that he saw in himself. And um, from there, well, it's kind of back up before Stevie, Teddy Riley was, when I was a senior in high school, I started playing keyboards for Teddy Riley. So that was like my wow. first professional kind of gig outside of doing, you know, gospel artists like Tasha Cobbs and Vashon Mitchell. That was like all of my 11th and 12th grade years going in, out of high school. Um, James Fortune, I've written produced for all three of those artists, you know. What, what, song, what song did you do for Vashon? Uh, well, Vashon, I was Vashon's music director for two years. Okay. So uh, when he was doing Nobody Greater, um, that's the one, man. That entire album, I was the music director, and then um, with Tasha Cobbs, um, I produced songs for her like Happy Smile. Um, she has a lot of good kind of like Christian worship songs that I was doing for her back when I was in eleventh grade, and um, yeah, my first secular gig was Teddy Riley. So I was playing with Teddy Riley, moved to Atlanta, I met with met Stevie J, and then Stevie. Doing this. How do you go from Christian to Teddy Riley? <laughs> Easy, because that's where all that's where all of the the good music is. That's where the music that touched the soul is. It's in the yeah. church, you know. All of the people that are the greatest in the music industry, usually nine times out of ten, unless they're like Billie Eilish or something like that, like you know, some yeah. frank, strange freak of nature. But like most of the time, it comes from church and just that um, really that grounding with your soul. That's what church does. It, get, it aligns you with your spirit that's already in you, you know. And I got that from an early age, along with what I wanted to do with my life. And that was music. So fast forward, working with Blackstreet and Guy, um, I meet Stevie J. Um, once I met him, he kind of like showed me like, yeah, you're a musician, but you don't want to be rich. Like, you just kind of want to be popular. Let me show you how you can really do this. So he got me a studio in Atlanta at the Artist Factory, um, paid for everything, put the equipment in there, um, paid the rent for like six months, I think it was. And for that six months, I just, went to the studio, my studio every day, and I just practiced, played things loudly, listened to things, like just really studied. I began to study of real production and relying on his help and um, Teddy Riley. And then Stevie introduced me to a man named James Lackey. And James Lackey is a, Jay Lackey is an exceptional producer. And me and Jay Lackey became very, 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 very close, like, like brothers. Like at one point in time, I was living with him and his brother who was Usher. Um, here in California in Beverly Hills working on Usher's album and I became very close with them and their family. So that kind of launched me into a different kind of category of people because then producers where I would have had to come out to LA and, you know, really prove myself or try to get in the room, they're seeing me show up to the studio with Usher and like trying to figure out, okay, wait, who, who are you, you know? And, um, and the, during the course of having that studio I had in Atlanta, um, I got a phone call from Justin Bieber's music director, he was basically like, hey man, we, uh, we're about to start the Purpose Tour, which was Justin's last full album and last world tour. And he was like, you know, the keyboard player is not really working out. We all really want you to be out here. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And then they started the tour and then he called me like after the fourth show and was just like, hey man, like I talked to Justin tonight and it's just not gonna work out. We're gonna, we're gonna swap you guys out. So they actually flew me to the next city. They fired the keyboard player. Unfortunately, that was playing the gig. And from there, I started working with Justin. And after that, it just kind of opened up so many doors for me. Um, it was truly grateful to work with them because there wasn't too many artists in the music industry that wouldn't want to work with me after working with an artist like him or like Usher. So then I began to work on artists like Summer Walker, um, Jeremiah, Jesse J. Um, and I mean, so many other artists. I worked with a lot of older artists too, like Faith Evans, Belle Bib DeVoe, New Edition. Um, I worked with Omarion and- hey, what songs you did for New Edition? 
for a lot for Bell for New Edition, I was playing keys with them. For Bell Bib DeVoe, I produced a song called All That There on their last album called Red Stripe. Oh, yeah. Red Stripe. Yeah. 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 I'm still stuck on Vashon. Uh what's the name? Vashon <laughs> Mitchell. That, that's that's my that's my that's like I don't really have too many gospel songs that but that did you so you were in the studio with him for that song? Uh Nobody oh. Greater. Nobody greater. He recorded that song live at a concert, and then I became his music director and just traveled with them everywhere, um, playing it for him. We did a couple of TV appearances. We did a couple of things for BT. Um, hey, play a little bit of it for Cherry, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you was him? Okay, so he's doing that. Let me tell you what he's doing. That <laughs> I got a thing for men that can play the piano. You want to play some? <laughs> Grin, that's why women alive that don't start grinning when a man sit behind the piano. Oh man, <laughs> my, my, my daughter, she does, she can do the same thing. I mean, no, 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 she can't do the same thing as you, but she's getting that though. And I, that's amazing. She, How old is your daughter? She's 11. Oh man, and, and man, she's, she's playing, she playing she the have, piano. You can already see it now. She's probably gonna definitely have it, bro. She playing the piano, the the what's the name, the harp, the harp, the uh. This this thing, cello. Uh, violin, cello, violin, yeah. And then she playing the flute a little bit. And now she getting it in. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I be she playing everything. She playing everything. Yeah, I'm trying to get her like you, bro. Hey man, I don't know if you want to get her like me. You know, my gifts come. Everybody's gift is different. It comes with a journey that's unique to you. And yeah. I mean, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life to be standing right here in front of you guys and to be able to talk to you guys and be the person I am, you know? It's a lot of experiences, a lot of hills and valleys and a lot of um, a lot of humbling. And so, so being in the studio with the type of people that you've been around, how much drugs was, was around? <laughs> <laughs> how much drugs was around? You know, it's funny that you say that. So drugs is something that's around everywhere at the highest of any industry. And what you'll find in music, fortunately for me, I've worked with artists that have been both good in that department and bad in that department. But the artists that I really connect with are like longevity type of people. Like Usher, when you think of a name like Usher Raymond, that's someone you've never heard any. Right, right. He's also an artist that I've never signed a non-disclosure agreement with ever, you know, really? ever. So, I mean, my experience with that has just been, you know, I let people do what they do. I try not to judge people. I try to love people. I try to have an intense craving of love for people, actually, because it can be hard sometimes, too. And just, you know, you have to be grounded, you know. And also, too, my, my theory on things like that is whatever you do, do because you want to do it. You yeah. know, I personally never wanted to do drugs, but whatever you want to do in life, never feel bad or feel anything if that's what you want to do. Because even if it's something bad that you're doing, uh, you know, one day you could wake up and you might want to do better, but you're always going to be unhappy if you're worried about what people are going to think or, you know, things like that. So I just tend to just stay out the way when it comes to stuff like that, you know? My follow-up to that was because one of my one of my favorite artists that just died, um, Shock G, because he played the piano and everything. And when I found out how he died, same I guess the same thing with DMX, you know, the man, them drugs, man, it's something else. I didn't, I didn't know that's how Shock died. Yeah, he uh, over, 
was overdosed on. I think it was fentanyl and yeah, he has some serious shit in him. So trying to sleep. That's what it was. Drugs are dangerous. Um, they're super dangerous. You know, any type of uh, leaning or depending on any type of substance to fulfill any type of emotional thing is always going to be a very, very, very slippery slope into something that never ends good ever. But it's just, it's just amazing how the guy was so talented, man. But don't you see that right now? This this man is sitting in his little studio, you know what I'm saying, doing his work. You just told me a lot about yourself and it made me smile. You got apple juice, but you got that good apple juice. Somebody uh, apple juice in the apple. Like that brings me back to my childhood. Oh, yeah. The same way. It, it, for real, like I will remember that about you forever. In the middle of the, somebody handed him and he was drinking apple juice. <laughs> but not even just apple juice, like that's the good apple juice that takes me back to my childhood. A good, a good, good apple juice. Real yes. apple juice. You don't feel thirsty after you drink it. You feel like, ah, I just feel refreshed. Yes. And then that's the same thing that music does. Like you just fed my soul twice, you know, mm -hmm. through taste. Good and sound um what is your favorite genre of music that feeds you um christian music mm. <clears throat> as far as like feeding my soul maybe like feeding my ears i like to listen to like don tolliver and travis scott or maybe some random you know uh outlandish kind of arrangement bands you know that most people don't like to listen to because i'm a musician but as far as my soul christian music you know um, any type of spiritual music really that allows you, that takes you to a place where you are aligning yourself with spirit. Like, and you just feel it automatically. You might not know the lyrics, you might not know, but for me, gospel music does that because it reminds me of my childhood so much. There's certain songs like a Kurt Franklin Brighter Day that I can just listen to anytime I'm in a bad mood. It doesn't matter. I could just cut someone out and turn on Brighter Day and I'm, I'm back, you know, like, yeah. So That's for me, definitely. It to be, bruh. <laughs> like you, I was like, oh, I know him. <laughs> right. You got to be reminded sometimes. That's how I feel about Fashawn Mitchell, that, that song, uh, Nobody Greater, man. That's a, Nobody Greater. That's, I'm telling you, Chad, that's a beautiful song. I don't know if you ever heard it, man. It'll just, something you could just wake up to and get your day started. So that's a good song. You said Jeremiah. What song did you do with him? With Jeremiah, I was also his music director. So I just toured with him. I was, um, I, uh, the first tour I did with him was the Later That Night tour. And that tour was with him and Tiana Taylor. And I was the music director for it. Um, basically with him, he just come to me before a show and be like, you know, these are songs I want to do, Zach. And we would just put them all together. Like working with him was like the easiest artist I've ever worked with. Like he just trusted me off of my reputation and nothing was ever a hassle. It was always so easy. Sometimes it would be loose, but it was like a good loose, like, oh, okay, we're going to know what we're going to play like 20 minutes before the show. You're from That's the South Side of Chicago too. Yeah, South Side of Chicago, you already know. Yeah. You already know. So it was a pleasure working with Jeremiah. I've worked on a lot of songs with a lot of artists and a lot of times they don't necessarily come out. You just get into this mode where people know you have good stuff and you, they're just recording, you know, but they're also recording music for their labels to then approve and put out, you know, so they're just creating bodies and bodies of work. But uh, Jeremiah is an amazing songwriter. I actually met him. So I got connected with Jeremiah. I was at a strip club in Atlanta 
and I'm having a good time. And I see my friend tells me that she knows Jeremiah. And I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, yeah, I should invite him back to the crib after um, after the after we leave her. I'm like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Talk to him at the strip club. We're at Blue Horseshoe, I believe it was called at the time. I don't know why he still had to go to strip clubs, but um, he followed us back to Stevie's house. And then he wound up making like two songs with me that night. And he didn't leave until like the sun came up. And then the next day his manager called me and was like, hey, uh, we wanted to know, like, you know, we know you're busy, but would you like to be uh, Jeremiah's music director? And what would that cost? And, you know, so from then I just started doing shows with them. And, you know, he hasn't done any shows in a while, but most of the time, if he's going to do a performance, I'll put it together for him and do all the pre-recording and how the, I guess the arrangement is going to go, you know, for the performance. That is amazing. I, I see ladies, sometimes men are after strip club doing business deals. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> a lot, but you know what I've noticed? Like I am one of those girls who hang out with mostly men and it's because of work. But I have been at the strip clubs with my homeboys closing deals, get up and, and we make some money in the morning. No, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it, it calls for it. Sometimes it doesn't. I can't necessarily say that's why I went there that night, but it happened. It happens. <laughs> it right. It's it happened like that in Atlanta a lot. Actually, there's actually a strip club called Cheetah in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, man. There's people in there closing million dollar deals all day. All day. See, so ladies, don't be so insecure. Maybe you need to go to the strip clubs with your girls and y'all just talk about um, business instead of men. You know what I mean? It's funny. You just made me think of a funny thing. I remember being in Canada and going to a strip club there and they don't allow um, for, I guess, sanitizing purposes they don't allow dollars right so they have dollar coins and people are throwing these coins at the girls doesn't that hurt That's, they have they throw them softly they throw them gently oh. but here the strip club like a little bit over the music is just like clink 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 all of these dollar coins being thrown hey, you know i was at i think i was at cheetahs um in atlanta and, and this was like in 2010 or 11 and I had never, because Chicago, Chicago, the strip club scene is not like Atlanta, where you know it's like a real club. So I had never seen like make it rain, rain like that before. So right. I went to Miami and then I went to Atlanta. But Atlanta, I never forget this guy was in the strip club, and I remember he came in there. He told this one stripper, he like, "You stand right here," <laughs> and and she just she. I was there for two hours, maybe three. And she danced for that man for three hours. And he he never ran out of money. He never ran out of money. And I'm sitting there looking like, you got to be kidding. I, the man never ran out of money. Making me talk to work. Talk to you, man. She danced. She like, can I take a break? He said, when you get done, you come right back here. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> he just had the money. You can take a break and come right back. <laughs> you know what? Strip clubs got the best hot wings. They got the, every strip club has the best hot wings. And Cheetah really has the best menu, period. Mm. Cheetah has everything, steaks, lobster. Like, it's like, like that, like that at Cheetah. See, when I used to say that to people, first of all, it was like taboo. You know what I'm saying? Girls aren't, well, not now, but I'm 45. But they used to be like, what? yeah. They used to be like, what you doing in the strip club? I'd be like, yo, strip clubs got the best hot wings. That's something I ain't never did is ate in the strip club. Oh man, it got extra seasoning on it, bro. Extra yeah, seasoning, just, man. 
See, like I said, Chicago's strip club scene is different. There's not a strip club in Chicago that I will eat anything out of. And I say, when I say anything, I mean anything. I oh. won't eat nothing out of that. <laughs> Bring your own bottle. Forget that. I'm serious. I ain't, that is hilarious. Okay, off strip clubs. Now, I know something about you. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it, but you're an owner, a partner, or something in some new streaming service in Australia? Yes, I am. So, basically, I am a part owner, and I'm um, basically, like, the artist, you could say, like, artist relations coordinator for a company called My Primo, which is going to be, I mean, it's already huge, but it's going to be even bigger. Um we just got the company evaluated at a little over $2 million and we're raising funds. We just got um, an outsourcing team for marketing and mm -hmm. starting to work next week. And basically it's a platform where you can do ticketed streamings. Cause I'm noticing that like people go on Instagram live and all these things and they don't make money from it. It's not monetized. So with this platform, you can do a live event. Let's say you're an artist. You could either do like a live concert or a live meet and greet. It doesn't matter or anything like that. And, or you could be like a choreographer and want to do like an exclusive dance lesson and pre-record it. You can upload it onto our platform. And as long as it's at a price point of $5, you can, you don't have to pay us anything. We do everything and you keep 80% of the profits. Nice. So, so let's say I like wanted to shop my content to you because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, what can I shop to him? How does that process go? Well, right now, the company is basically only set up in a way where people just make their event, put it on the on this, on the platform, and then sell it, and then we give them their money. How the, that would go is I would just connect you with the CEO and be like, hey, she's amazing. We need to do some type of partner event with her. or And that's part of what my job is there. Like um, I'm co-owner and co-founder, but that's basically what I'm doing because I'm their only hands and feet here in America right now. So... I'm re I've been reaching out to all kinds of people to be a part. And because the thing is, let's say like you were able to do an event where, let me see a number, let's say 5,000, right? You could sell 5,000 tickets to one exclusive event. Your profit earnings, what you would get paid out of that would be $100,000. If the tickets were like 25, exactly, yeah. And it's virtual. It's all online. So let's say, and I'm just going to throw this out there since it's in Australia, right? The little boy from Punky Brewster happens to be an Aussie. Oh, wow. So let's say I, I set up an event for Oliver, right? And Oliver has this event where he goes in and he talks about acting and child acting, and then he has a special guest. And Auntie comes on. Yes. And I'm just making this up as we go. And Auntie comes on and we sell this as an event. Is that something like that that you guys would be interested in? It's exactly like that. It's oh, exactly like that. Wow. So 80% would be going to you guys mm -hmm. um, with the ticket sales. 5% um, would be going to the person that referred that event. Another five go, which would be me on the business and that's coming back to me. And um, another 5% goes to credit card transaction fees. And then we, the company gets paid a little over 10%, like 10.2%. And is it live or is it something that we could pre-record? It's both. You can do live or pre-record it, but I'm urging anybody that I'm referring, just pre-record it, you know, and it'll still be live, you know, because when you pre-record, you can make sure all of the audio, editing, everything you want to do can be exactly what, it, what you want it to be. And it doesn't necessarily have live. And it also leaves you room to go live after your event has gone live. So let's say you guys pre-record like a acting seminar or something like that and sell tickets to it. 
once that that content that's already been shot is put up and it's gone live, it's no longer there. People can't access it anymore. But you can go live right after you just did that, like on your Instagram or something, and further push it or try to push another event, you know, or do like something more personal, as opposed to doing something completely live. And then after you've done something live for an hour, you don't really feel like talking to nobody or doing anything like. But that after the that update after like, oh, they're right here, like right now, like it's way, mm. especially content is shot very professionally it kind of throws consumers for a loop a little bit like it's exciting so stuff i'm a woman send you come on come on with it you need to send me them um the movie soundtracks too yes so are you scoring i am i do score i'm over here smiling zach just save my number, okay? Got you. I got don't you. Don't act like you don't know who I am, okay? Even though you be some famous people and everything. Come on, no, I couldn't do that. I've known who you was forever. It's okay. I know the end. I'm just gonna bring you some apple juice. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> apple juice and the keyboard, and I'm good. That's actually my writer, my technical writer. Apple juice and the keyboard. No, I'm kidding. Really? No, I'm only kidding. That's actually the name of a company. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> You say you know her. You say you know of her forever. Since when? Cause you young. I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. thank since you. I was a little kid. I had a crush on you. Like, yeah, it was oh. real. Thank you. And now I'm a huge fan. So my niece actually came to one of your Bieber concerts. Oh wow! Which one? And um, I don't know, but she was like, when I told her, I was like, do you know who this is? She was like, oh my god, yes, of course. <laughs> So she, cool. She's so excited that you're going to be on the show. And she's just now reaching like her little teeny boppy years. Oh, that's so dope. What's her name? Tyler. Tyler. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Thank you. She's going to be all excited. Tell, tell me okay. something you learned from Teddy Riley that okay. you will always take with you. Because I, I just think he's, <laughs> man, I just, I think the world of him. I've learned so much from Teddy. Number one, Teddy is one of the type of people when you're close with him, he's a storyteller. Like I've heard so many stories. Like I've been on cruises with him, like just so many random, like, oh, I'm just sitting next to Zach right now. Let me just tell him the story about Michael Jackson or whatever, you know what I mean? So all of those type of stories, like they just stick with me. Like, you know, like they do. But the main thing that I picked up from Teddy was just having your own unique sound as a producer. Right. and really working like working working like more than just like you know a lot of producers now are just making beats which is cool like to be a beat maker but in terms of being like a producer really making your own sound and taking the time to cultivate that and making it different than everyone else's you know that's something that teddy riley did undeniably he created his own genre new jackson wow his own genre with his own drum sounds with his own you know and then i learned from teddy the art of getting with artists before they really make it big, you know? He produced Keith Sweat's first album for such a ridiculously low price. Like, Keith Sweat was just somebody that was on Wall Street, you know, like, and then he turned out to be one of the biggest, or he made him into one of the biggest R&B artists, you know, sensations. And mm -hmm. then, you know, that, but, you know, the biggest thing is definitely having your own identity with your sonics, sonically what you sound like as a producer, what you're offering, yeah. you know? That's some good I, advice. Yeah. He's giving me so many drum sounds and just like advice, you know. Or it fussed at me when I first <clears throat> when I was in high school, when I first started playing with him, he would jump on the keyboards and be like, that's not what I recorded. Like, this is what I was doing. And it was like very humbling, like, wow, like you're a producer who knows 
all the parts of your track. <laughs> mm. You can't get, can't get over Teddy Riley. He's a wow. real musician, you know. Wow. And what about um, Stevie? <clears throat> Do you ever have you has he ever told you any stories about working with Big or anything? Oh man, all the time. Me and Stevie are like, let me tell you how close me and Stevie are. So you see this? Me and Stevie have matching tattoos, right? Let me see. I can't see. Oh, okay. Okay. It's here, you know? Yeah. Stevie are like, bro, bros. Tyler! <laughs> Stevie's told me so many stories. I remember one story. Stevie was telling me about how bad boy used to be in the day and like how they used to always stick together and like, they never like anytime there was an issue or a headline or anything that went wrong from somebody from their label, they all showed up. So I remember one time, I think it was Little Kim. Um, there was a news company in New York that put out a bad article about Little Kim. Yeah. And entire bad boys showed up to the news station, tore the news station up, told them they don't take the newspaper off the press. Like stories like that. Wow. Those other stories. But um, the main thing I learned from Stevie is actually just to be mentally strong. And to yeah. not care about what people think. Yeah. People don't even matter, you know. And not in an arrogant way, but when you change the way that you're looking at something, it changes the way it looks at you. And not that I'm like in the, trying to make a whole bunch of fans, but I'm the type of person I'm not very outwardly. You know what I mean? I just let things come, you know. And Stevie taught me not having to not have that anxiety about things. You know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen regardless. So you just have to allow things and not put up that resistance that could kind of sometimes, you know, frustrate us as humans. Because we're trying to do so much. This is Cherry's World. So, the way I grew up, I equate food with love. And a lot of you do too. Sometimes I make it all the way to the kitchen and I just don't feel like cooking. That's when I hit my girls up with their food truck. It is Flavor of the Islands. And you can order catering from flavorofthelands.com, which I will be doing today. There are five people in my house. So I figure if I order catering for 10, <laughs> we can all eat really good twice, right? They make authentic Puerto Rican and Dominican cuisine. Just like home. Man, you're such an interesting brother. I gotta ask you this too. Working with BBD. Now, um, there's only, when you're working with BBD, there's really only one person that's singing, right? This is Ricky, right? Right. So, what were the other, what was uh, Mike and uh, Ronnie doing when you were working with Ricky? Uh, well, the songwriter's name is Cyrus. He's a, um, he's a songwriter out of Atlanta. He was working with Ricky. Um, he had already written the song. Um, he had sent me the song. I sent him a beat. He wrote that the song. That's, we had that guy on the show too, uh, Cherry. Cyrus, last year or two oh, years ago. Cyrus yeah. Shield. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go so ahead, Cyrus, man. Cyrus wrote that song. Okay. Um, so Cyrus sent me the record and I sent it over. And basically, Cyrus just went in the studio and worked nonstop with Ricky over and over again, getting the vocals right. And then the other two, they basically rapped on the track. Mm -hmm. and added background vocals here and there. It's like singing? It's like singing, yeah. Slight. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's like singing. So you asked all the nice business questions, and I'm sorry I got a phone call. I'm supposed to be producing a movie right now, but we're doing Cherry's World podcast, because, you know. Oh, uh oh, hey, mix it up. Got to handle business. <laughs> so that was my boss that was calling, and he was like, you doing your podcast? I was like, yeah, look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching you, but you've been on tour with all these different people, right? Right. I need to get a little bit nosy. Who had like the wildest uh, experiences? Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. 
Yes. Justin Bieber. No. no. I mean, it depends on what you say. Wild is what you're getting at. Cause like. I would say Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley has some pretty crazy. See, like the well, you got to think about it. Teddy's kind of laid back. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do any of that type of stuff. Anytime you're touring with somebody, your adventure is gonna probably depend on you, and maybe the people that you're around. You know what I mean? But definitely you. But I would say Justin more so because all of my friends that we all play in a band together with Justin, we have our own band called We the Band, and we're all friends. We've been friends for like ten years. So That's traveling the world with your brothers, it's like you know. It's a party. It's a party and it's a movie and it's just always stuff going on. <laughs> it's just crazy. There are fans, there's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Like There's fans, there's groupies. I've, I've had some wild times though, even with like people like Jeremiah. Like I remember one time I, um, I did a concert with Jeremiah then we pulled up at French Montana's hotel and I, I, Jeremiah left me there. And I'm just, at the time I was smoking cigarettes and I had a pack of cigarettes and my uh, French Montana didn't. He kept asking me for a cigarette. I'm just sitting outside of his suite. We're sitting outside, there's a whole bunch of girls and stuff. And I just sat there and smoked a whole box of cigarettes with Frank, <laughs> <laughs> like literally. And the sun comes up, everything. I'm still at this man's hotel. I leave, I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Like it's the next morning. I leave, left my book bag in. He has all these security all down the hallway and stuff. I'm like. I left my book bag in French's room and they're like, who are you? My whole book bag, like my laptop, everything. So. Oh, did you get it? You got it back though, right? Yeah, I had to call Jeremiah's manager and like tell him I'm still, he's, they're like, you still at the hotel? It's like, yeah, me and French Montana was smoking all night. Like they were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've had some wow. wild times though. I've, uh, I remember one time, so me, I have a friend named Devin Sticks Taylor. He's a drummer. He plays drums with us with Justin and we were, we had started like going to this club called Tape London, owned by one of our friends, Zeus in London. And sorry about that. And um, it's a nightclub and it's also a recording studio inside of the nightclub. But everybody that goes there is like The Weeknd, um, Sophia Richie, like Paris Hilton or like people like that. So of course going there with Justin a couple of nights in a row, like we were already good. We could go by ourselves. Like we knew the owner, it was a cool night. So me and Devin decided to go one night and we're in this back lounge, this private lounge, right? And we're just sitting there. Now we're watching the security walk around with these flashlights and tell people to stop smoking. So we're like, oh man, like, well, we just want to sit over here and smoke, whatever. He probably won't say nothing to us. So we're over here smoking, we're passing each other the blunt. And uh, <laughs> my friend Devin, he just keeps like, Justin's down on the dance floor. All the dancers are on the dance floor. People are like dancing and stuff, but we're up higher in this section. And we just kind of ducked off and he keeps going like this, like nodding his head, like, yo, Yo, and I'm like, what's going, what's up, man? Like, what is wrong with you? What's up? And I look over to my right and I'm on this love seat by myself. And then he's just in a chair next to me on the left. And I look over to my right and Rihanna and two girls are just coming and sitting down next to me. Then they start pouring the bottle that we had. Like just pouring our bottle, just like, me and him were just looking at each other like, that's Rihanna. Damn. Then she starts pulling out blunts. She smokes with us. We're all drinking, laughing, talking all night. This goes on for like two hours, like all the way into the end of the night. And Yo, you smoke weed with Rihanna? I know, it's crazy, right? Aww. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, but no, no, that's okay. No, I don't care. But no, uh, yeah, like that was experiences like that, you know, like that kind of seemed kind of wild onto her. Like, Yo, if after Rihanna passed me the blunt, I'm smoking and I'm putting that in my pocket. 
Like this got Rihanna lips on there. I'm putting it <laughs> right in my pocket. <laughs> what you gonna do? Sell it on eBay? Uh, I'm <laughs> keeping that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it was, in the ziplock. I did something bag. worse though. I actually did something worse. Like the night ended and they clear everybody out, and I go inside the recording studio and I come back out and I see Rihanna's just still sitting in that same section by herself that I was just in. Like it was our section, you know. So I walk over to her and I'm just like, man, I gotta talk to her. So I'm just like, hey, like, is it okay if I um if I if I tell you something if I talk to you? And she gave me this mean look and she was just like, weren't you just talking to me? And I was just like, uh, yeah, I was. And then she just bust out laughing. And I was like, oh, I just wanted to tell you, I just geeked out after that. I was like, I just want to tell you like one of my favorite artists. And she's like, okay, all right, well take care. And just like walked off. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, they don't like that for some reason. They, they, they want to be treated normal. At that point in my career, I had already worked with a lot of big artists. I just really like Rihanna. Like, yeah. Her anti-album that just came out, like I was just one of the best albums that she's ever. Rihanna, if you watch this, do you see this? Zach just really appreciates what you do. Maybe you and Zach need to get up in the studio together and make some magic. Magic. We need to make anti part two. And Courtney just want to smoke weed with you. <laughs> no, Courtney <laughs> just wants the blunt after it touches your lips. Yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, that, yeah that's you don't even got to light it, Regis. <laughs> Wow. That is so cute. I love the fact that like um, the small town boy, you know, gets an opportunity. He does not stall. He takes it and life just takes off from there. Could you have ever fathomed that this was going to be your life at like 10 years old? Um, yeah. Yes and no. I but like the yeah. Absolutely yes. Like since I was about two years old. So when I was two years old, I came to my mother and I told her that I had a dream and I saw Jesus. <laughs> and she uh, she asked me, did Jesus teach me how to potty train? Because I was potty training at the time. And I was like, no, he told me to play the drums. And my mom always tells the story. But ever since I was a little kid, this is all I've ever wanted to do. And I was fortunate enough to have parents who never stifled me. They always told me that I could do whatever I want. You know, by the time I was like six or seven years old, my dad was telling me almost every day, you're going worldwide. So this is why you have to be this way. You might not know it this way, but you're literally going worldwide. So you have to, you know, they, my parents tried to raise me as best they could understanding what was going on. Cause the only person in my family that does music besides me is my uncle Vincent. Amazing. I think that is so important and it's very much taught early. And I really believe that you saw Jesus when you were little, because I do think that spirits and, and, and the higher powers do speak through children. Yeah, because babies are always looking. If you notice, they always looking and looking. You don't, have anything, you don't have any more information than, you don't have a lot of worldly information when you're a child. Like when you're born into your mom's womb, that spirit that's not afraid to come here to the earth and is excited to be here and do things and dream, that's a spirit. And then it goes into our bodies and we get older and older in life. We start to slowly realize, okay, Santa Claus isn't real and the tooth fairy isn't real and all these realities that we have to face that shape us into an adult. But most adults I find out are successful or happy, really. They have a, like a sense of childlike wonder a little bit about them, like, you know? Yeah. It causes them to manifest things at a ra very rapid pace because they stay aligned with that joyous place, you know. I'm over here just grinning because <laughs> I usually I talk about manifestation every episode and I don't mean to, but it's just like there's a pattern with. No, there really people. is. Have you ever read a book called Accident Is Given? Mm -mm. 
You said what? Uh, so I'm gonna grab it real quick. It's worth the guy saying. Hold on. Okay, I'm gonna totally go read it because I'm a nerd like that. And you know what? It brings me back to Adrian's interview before this one. He said it's not an accident. There's a purpose why I'm on here with you today. Mm. Yes. Ask and it's given. Ask and it is given. To manifest your desires. Okay, this is going to be corny, but I'm taking a screenshot because I'm going to go order it on Amazon. You have to. This book has been life changing for me. Um, basically, manifest. Man, most people attribute manifestation to like, um, you know, okay, I want this to happen, or I want this car, I want this thing, so I'm going to write it down. I'm going to focus on it, and that is very much a part of manifestation. But this book teaches you to align your thoughts to control your emotions so that you can feel actually feel the things you want to manifest and that's when things start to manifest very rapidly because you're actually feeling the feeling of so it's like if you're the type of person where you're like okay i want to get a new house this book is teaching you how to align your emotions because you have thoughts all day that control your emotions this book teaches you how to make yourself stay in a joyous place so that way that well the well-being like your well that's always flowing of abundance it's always there and we can only in this book you can only do two things you can either allow things you have met because once you ask for something and you send out that radiance like that radiation of like i desire this automatically there's a that's a there's an answer and it's yes okay. every time it's never a no it's always yes and that's for good and bad things when you think about negativity you send that out then the universe responds okay yes make more negativity for you you know what i mean and what happens is all you're waiting for is yourself to fully allow or stop resisting what you've already asked for Oh my God. Yeah. It's exactly what I just felt when you drank that apple juice. You <laughs> will drink apple juice together one day. We have to. We have and to. there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know where we'll be or <laughs> what we'll be doing, but there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to do that. No, we have to. We have to. I'm going to make sure the next time I see you, I'm going to have apple juice on deck just in case. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. She's going to be here? Yeah. I'm going to go to the corner store real quick. This is it. I'm walking in with apple juice. <laughs> for real but i love this book when it comes to manifestation definitely like it's like i saw something in the book that said like when you look at a solid table it looks like it's a solid table you know you can go touch it it's tangible and these things are like people's ideas that are now manifested into tangible things we can touch products keyboards and different things like that but really what we're looking at when we're looking at a solid piece of thing we're looking at a whole bunch of atoms moving so fast that they look solid but, but it's just really and that's exactly what the universe is. When we desire things, all the universe starts orchestrating things and they're moving so fast that it slowly starts to actually manifest in the physical. That's why when you like, okay, this is my new dream car. I love this car. You start seeing that car everywhere. Because now you're moving, you're moving those <laughs> that table to create, and it will actually literally manifest into a tangible, touchable thing. That makes sense. Okay, so I want to say something to you because I feel like you won't feel that I'm a weirdo. Sure. And we just had this conversation, but now I feel like I'm able to admit it to people. Do you feel like that there's another parallel universe on the other side that we just can't get to? Like I was sitting outside the other day and it was raining and I was like, we, we're not the only ones here. Like I just, we can't be, but there has to be something else going on in some other parallel universe. So I called Soleil and I was like, I don't want you to think that I'm crazy. And she's like, I was just talking about that two days ago. Did it's interesting you say that um i've seen a lot of like videos and movies on like parallel universe kind of like scenarios 
Um, I, I just believe that we are definitely, our universe that we know about is one universe of like infinite universes. Like there's, we're like still a small, I feel like the sun, moon, stars, Saturn, Mars, all of these planets can't be the only universe. I feel like it's just one of a billion it's, universes. Like Earth. It's bigger than us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it kind of like, it starts to kind of, when you think about parallel universes, it kind of starts to trickle into like uh, time travel and just like all kinds of crazy things that could possibly be. I don't know. I was just telling Cherry that I believe in time travel. <laughs> I believe in it wholeheartedly. Yeah, and didn't you tell me one time, like, you believe in the whole quantum physics time doesn't really exist? I haven't gotten there yet, but I want to, I want somebody to sit down and, like, really explain it to me, because I, I don't, my brain hasn't been able to commute. Like, Soleil was talking about it, and I told her that I wanted to learn more about it, but uh, I believe in time travel, but she was talking about um, quantum physics. But it's funny, even though she doesn't believe, like, in time, she's always on time. Well, yes, yeah, she believes... She she believes that on uh, like the human form of time, the measure of it. So you understand that? I understand where she could be coming from, yeah. Because I mean, technically, there really isn't any time. It's just a it's a measurement. We're just measuring when the sun's going down or how many times the Earth is right. rotating. But it's something. It's not something that we're going to be like ever going to stop. So how can it truly really be measured? It can only be measured every day, and it starts over again. It's only twenty four of them. You know, I mean, comes to manifestation and different things like that, there really is no sense of time. It's like we're only here to create and we create through our thoughts and everything around us is other people's thoughts. And a lot of what's inside of us that we are going to manifest in our generations come from the thoughts of the people that were in our family before us. That's why the cold quantum physics physics and time travel thing is kind of interesting because it really is our ancestors. A lot of stuff that we're doing is stuff that our ancestors dreamed about doing or that they wanted to do, but there wasn't enough time. But technically time doesn't matter because we're here. That's right. That's real. Did you just see the light turn on behind me? Don't tell me that happened. That's gonna scare me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you watch back the show, if you watch back the show, watch the light just turned on behind me. I mean, there are lights on, but one of them in the middle just turned on. That's not scary. <laughs> Don't leave, Zach. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. See, now this is fun. I don't know. Maybe I just like the boys or something. I, well, like I will tell you guys, I also have a, um, a single coming out on <laughs> on on e production, um, on e records, excuse me, uh, which is a company owned by Ani. Um, Roseboro from New York, and she has been working in the music industry for years um, with labels such as Bad Boy, um, Warner. She's done um, artist development, um, marketing. For, uh, you know, he's, she's she's done Bad Boy a lot. She's very close to the Bad Boy camp. So now what she's done is she started her own label, and they gave her a budget and a distribution on a major level nice. for her to put out her own artists. So what she did was for this first compilation project that she wants to release. She just called a bunch of her friends to give her music and she called me and I'm like, I mean, I have a song, but I did that song like four years ago and I don't really want to be an artist or anything like that. But it turns out that she wanted it. So now I'm going to be putting that song out and another song from an artist that I'm producing right now named Risa Pearl. So when is it coming out? I think it's going to come out in August, the end of August. Give us your social media handles. How can people get in touch with you? 
Okay, so on Instagram, I'm Zach Brinson, Z-A-C and B-R-U-N-S-O-N. Um, that's pretty much the only social media I really do right now. Um, I get on Facebook, but that's like more so when I'm like talking to like my family or like hometown friends, you know, Facebook is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, you, get, you get on Facebook, you're just up there for like an hour, like just seeing what everybody's been doing. And like, it's like, Instagram's a little bit like less, like, okay, I could just scroll past your picture. Yeah, me and Facebook have issues. They keep blocking me. Whoa, why is that? Because I say things. Oh, <laughs> got to be careful. Got to be careful. I want to give you guys um, a piece of the single before I let you go. Thank you. Uh, can, we, can we use it for the show? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Like a match, baby, you burn it up. What was the past, baby? You burn it up. You make it last so long, never give up. You we go through cycles of only being in love, and that's enough to take my heart. And I know that you're enough to take my skies. So many went away when I went down. But time has shown me that's not who you are Forever and ever I want this love to go for Ever and ever I'll make sure I have time Forever and ever I'll be down forever Endeavor. Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful song. Thank you. Hey, man, I love R&B, man. I just hang around a lot of rappers, man. But R&B <laughs> has always been like something special to me, man. Like, I love it, man. That, Thank you, that was man. dope. Thank you. I'm not much of a singer, but, you know, I wanted to leave you guys with that. You're you not much it? of you're not much of a singer, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I definitely will never sing for you. Yeah, oh, <laughs> right. I won't even hum. <laughs> I sing all day, Zach. All day. Long. If you're around me for more than ten minutes, you'll hear me sing. You, Are you the type of person that like sings sentences to people? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like I can never just ask you. I can never just say, "Hey." Can I ask you a question? I have to do Beyonce's question. Tell me what you think about me. <laughs> Just how I talk. <laughs> I love it. Nice.
Hey man, let me tell you something. So I heard that I went to church one day, right? Let me tell you when I went to church in um, 2020. It was uh, early January 2020, right? I heard that they played that song. That was my first time hearing it. So after that, I went and started listening to it on Tidal. And then Kobe died like a week later. And all I kept thinking, like, nobody, because Kobe's my favorite person, like, ever. You know, I, I watched that guy from the beginning of his career you know more than jordan because like when i got jordan was like i was a baby yeah i was a baby so i didn't get a chance to appreciate (laughs) it but kobe i saw from the beginning so he's always been my favorite and so when i heard that song that's all i kept thinking about like man they should have played that at his memorial that's 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 a song that means so much to me you should do an interview with Sean. Man, if you can get him on here, man, I, I, man, I love that song, bro. bro. Definitely, he actually just hit me up like two weeks ago. Asked me what I'd be interested in producing, like some new music for him or something like that. But yeah, definitely, sure. Man, I love that song. That's a good song, man. Yeah. And you played it, man. You played it. You, 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 did you produce that song? I didn't produce that song, no. No, I didn't. Jesus Christ, you played that song, man. Look, and you over there listening to church songs, and I'm over here like, there is nothing more sexier than being serenaded by a man. That's how, as a musician in church, growing up in church, you can easily get in trouble, man, because, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, like I was playing the organ in church, man. Lord have mercy, man. The women <laughs> man. went after me. It was bad. Man, I really appreciate you playing that for me, brother. I, I just I only felt right, man. You said you really liked that song. Man, I got that. Thank you, man. Thank you. That, that, that song, wow. Terry, I just sent it to you. I don't know if you ever heard it before. I just that is it so it. sweet. I'm going to listen to it. Man. But look, you over there, he, he played the song for you. I thought he was playing a song for me. Oh, uh, that's that's not, oh what is no, this? No, no that's, is my that's my song. That's my song. That's my song. Yeah, man. I'm just teasing. You are a talented Did you want me to play you a song, Cherry? Was there, is there a song you No, baby. I'm going to make you play me a song while we drink some apple juice one day. After we sign this deal to on, something. See me manifesting? Come on. I'm right here with you. I'm for it. It only takes one more person to agree with you. We in there. I just want you to help. Give, give my The same way Stevie and Teddy took care of you, I want to introduce you to my daughter, man, because she she can play too, man. See, I oh, want Please, man. 11 years old, right? 
Yes. Let's see. Well, you guys go to church? We haven't been since the uh, since COVID, man. We ain't oh. been so. Yeah, man. Church is such the such the place to learn fast, man. When it comes to music, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think us black people, we got that salsa when we make certain type of music, like gospel music, it always got all these chords in it and all this stuff in it and all this parts. So if you grow up learning that stuff, you could play any kind of genre, rock yeah. music. You know, some of the music I played on the road has been like super easy compared to the stuff I grew up playing, you know? Man, you should see my daughter, man. I'm, I'm gonna send you some videos. And you should see Please. she can play anything, man. Yeah, man. But hey, so so when you play, you ever played that for Vajan? Like you, cause is that what you do when you on? Like on, on the, on the yes. road? I was a Sean's music director for two years and I played that song probably a hundred million times. So that's what the music director does. You had to play the music. Okay. Yeah, you uh you you play an instrument in the band. A lot of times you play in the band and tour with the act. There's been times where I've been the music director for things and I just literally do like a week of rehearsals. I make all of the arrangements and then I just sit there and rehearse the band and then bring the artists in, rehearse with the artists, make sure they feel comfortable and stuff. But nine times out of ten, I would be playing. Um, in the band as well. Tell Vashon we'll love to to and well, I sent I already sent Cherry's music, so she'll she'll want to have him on too, man. He's a yeah. yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Zach, for being Thank here. Such a pleasure. Thank you guys. Can't wait to talk to you again, my brother. Yeah, please come wait. back, okay? I will. And uh let's let's try to get some business done and any way I can be of service, anyway, from my primo to the music to whatever. I'm right here. Likewise, um, you stuck with me now, homie. I don't I'm not trying to go nowhere. <laughs> hey, hey, she she's one loyal person. She keep you around. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I was I was really excited to meet you guys and talk with you guys. So I'm looking forward to keeping it going. Likewise. Run across the world. Welcome to Cherry's world. Across the world, welcome to Cherry's world. Representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's world. Representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's world. Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Head over to Grits Tees. That's G-R-I-T-T-E-Z.com. They've got something for everybody. Athletics, humor, spiritual, and the woke communities. Come express yourself through apparel that communicates passion and perseverance. Use the checkout code CHERRY and you'll get 10% off of everything right now. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc